Hi, this is Randall with Business Partner Blueprint, welcoming you back to another episode of the Blueprint Pros Podcast, where we discuss how to land big corporate clients. And today, I'm so wonderful, I can't stand myself. We uh, have been doing an opportunity series where we've been walking you through you know, all, opportunity is everywhere. It's not a question of if it exists. The question is where should you look and how do you identify opportunities that are right for your business? And today we have a special guest. Uh, her name is Laverne Daly. And the reason we're bringing her in right now is uh, I like to think of her as an opportunity specialist. Uh, Laverne is just one of those wonderful people that sees uh, different ways of going about doing things almost magically and immediately. And she has that unique gift of uh, figuring out a smart, practical approach to getting it across the finish line. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Laverne. She's an award-winning business strategist. She's a, a sought-after speaker and community leader. And uh, uh, Laverne runs a company called L Global, which focuses on marketing and branding. I'm going to have her talk to you a little bit more about uh, her company and focus and expertise shortly. But I want to give you a, a story about my first interaction with Laverne. I was doing a book signing at the South Florida Book Festival, and uh, Laverne was assigned to to uh, be my facilitator. And so, within the first five minutes, I knew that I was talking with someone serious. You you all know how this works. You, usually, within about thirty to forty five seconds, you can just size up someone. I'm like, okay. The, I need to get to know Laverne. She she has actually taken the time, read the book uh, within about 45 seconds, had some pretty insightful, detailed questions around not only my book, It Ain't All Rocket Science, Three Success Guides to Large Corporate Contracts for Minority Business Owners, but she asked some pretty insightful questions around the vision for Dobbins International Business Partner Blueprint and uh, whether or not uh, we collectively, as Dobbins International Business Partner Blueprint, could truly uh, achieve the level of success that we thought imaginable. Um, and I'm just sitting there, it's like, wow, this, this, this girl is, is, is great. This woman has got something going on. She's intuitive, she's insightful. And uh, she seems to be a straight-ahead, results-oriented go-getter. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have to get to know her. So I wanted to introduce Laverne to you all. Welcome, Laverne. How are you? Thank you, Randall. That is an amazing introduction. Thank you very, very much. I'm doing well today, and I'm honored that you have chosen to ask me to be a guest on your podcast. You're very much welcome, Laverne. And not only are you a guest, you are my inaugural guest. So I really appreciate you <laughs> uh, accepting my invitation and uh, taking on the challenge of setting the setting the uh, pace for everyone to come after you. But then again, I you know you you impress me as a trailblazer. So I guess this shouldn't be surprising, right? <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. No pressure, huh? None whatsoever. Hey, you, <laughs> how's it go? What, what do you tell me regularly? Look, I'm just going to be me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> so uh, if you don't mind, why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about um, uh, L Global and, and Laverne and uh, help us to get to know you. Absolutely. Um, once again, thank you so much, Randall. It was a pleasure uh, meeting you in South Florida and acting as facilitator and moderator of the book festival. It's a, it was a fantastic book fair that happens once a year in South Florida where uh, we bring in uh, phenomenal authors. Some authors are established and some are, you know, looking to establish their brands. Uh, but these authors are all unique in some way. And I was tasked with being the moderator and um, facilitator for a few of the speakers, Randall being one of those speakers, and who did an amazing job, by the way. So it was great to meet you there and great to learn about your business initiatives and how you're looking to work with uh, diverse business owners. I, it was, I found it extremely insightful. So I'll share a little bit about me and L Global. So L Global um, uh, is my company. We are primarily growth strategists. We help business leaders achieve their revenue and their growth objectives through consulting services in the areas of sales, marketing, branding, strategic planning, service development, operations, infrastructure alignment, executive coaching, and also public speaking. We've been in business for close to four years. And prior to that, I've been tasked to grow corporations in a variety of industries for over 25 years. Uh, some of those, those corporations are in, um, gosh, fashion, food, film, human capital, pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, consumer products, textiles, manufacturing, just all across the board. So that experience, those experiences really helped shape the business strategies that I employ with some of my uh, uh, clients today. So L Global was essentially born out of my desire to marry my personal objectives and the values and values with my professional goals. I wanted to create a for-profit organization that worked to grow other corporate corporations, mostly for-profit organizations, with CEOs who were also passionate about their business interests and similarly concerned about social responsibility. So the um, focus of my company um, is to help organizations who not only are looking to make a lot of money candidly, but who have some sort of global perspective. And you know, we employ certain criteria in doing that. So, and uh, the criteria is simple, projects I enjoy, people I believe in, as long as they have a corporate social responsibility platform included in their business model. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so you gave us quite a bit to unpack there. Let, let me, let, let me, um, if you don't mind, follow up on a, a, a few things. How, how, how did you get started in this, uh, in this business? You, you mentioned all your, your years doing things, but how, how, how did you get started in, in what now is a, is um, a, a booming growth strategy industry? Well, uh, four years ago, I had a sort of a traumatic life event happen, I'll share. And um, my sister, my sister who was otherwise very healthy, lapsed into a coma. And um, during that time, I spent some reflective time uh, 
and thinking about what it was that I wanted to do for the rest of my life from a professional perspective. And it was during the time that I spent with her in the hospital room that I felt inspired to write the executive summary for the business plan that is now L Global. At the time, it was called the L brand, and it was um, named differently. It was spelled E-L-L-E. But my inspiration at that time was to, for the re to essentially do the thing that makes my heart smile, truly for the rest of my life, and to take all of my skills and to work with other CEOs who are passionate about their business interests, but who also want to make a major impact on the world. Oh, wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let, let, let me guess. The, the, the path has been easy for the last four years. It, it's been without challenges, right? Not a, absolutely. <laughs> I've been coasting. <laughs> absolutely coasting. It's been so easy. <laughs> oh, no, in, in, in all seriousness, because... Uh, you know, when you set out on passion projects, you feel great about it. But, uh, you know, it was something I remember reading in the uh, Orange County Register back in the, uh, the mid, mid 80s, late, no, early 90s. Uh, it was it was fascinating. The article said, you know, if you're going to go into business, go into business uh, about something for which you are passionate. And the, the writer goes on to say, because when the bad times come, and that bad times will come, your passion will see you through. And, and so I've always remembered that. And it's, it's kind of interesting getting to, to know you, Laverne, that, uh, you know, clearly this, this, this venture has not come without challenges. What, um, what are some of the key challenges and learnings that, that, that you've gone through that you think uh, <clears throat> would be of some benefit to our listeners who may be looking at what they're going through right now, wondering what it looks like to get to the other side and, and, and some of the, the, the mindset and, and uh, perspectives they can take to, to help them get through. Okay. Well, first I'll say that if you're not passionate about your business as a business owner, I will tell you unequivocally that you should not be doing it. Because essentially, you know, you're, there's your whole life that you're looking at, right? There's um, the thing that you do for work, there's the business, and there's a fulfillment part. So how does this business fulfill you as an individual? I mean, ultimately, the business is meant to support your life and to allow for all of the wonderful things that you'd like for you, yourself, and your family, right? So I would just absolutely state first off that if you're not passionate about the business that you're in, please don't be in that business because essentially it's not going to be fulfilling long-term and you'll spend an awful lot of time just getting really frustrated. So, yeah, so, you know, that said, I'll answer your question about the challenges, uh, Randall. Well, you know, so the challenge, the challenges that I've experienced are similar to the challenges that, that most business owners will experience if they're not, if they don't have access to capital, right? Because, you know, we're a self-funded business and I had no major nest egg per se, but I had an awful lot of experience and that exper experience in watching major corporations and navigating uh, through major corporations and also navigating, you know, within smaller environments and really learning some of the challenges that are in either environment and both. And so, you know, having the ability to then take all of that and um, uh, 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 now use it 
in my business and to help my and to help my clients is really extraordinary for me. But as far as the challenges are, one is funding, right? That was a major challenge was funding because um, you know I started out with no nest egg per se. Uh, just a business that I decided that I wanted to go into and obviously funding is a major challenge for businesses and then uh, once we got a little bit past that particular challenge there came an intellectual property challenge so I launched the business and as I mentioned you know I had criteria that I was looking for organizations that made my heart smile went to work on projects I enjoyed and one of those projects is in the film industry I have a background in film from a long time ago. I may have discussed this with you, Randall. And uh, one of my clients is, is Miami Web Fest. They're a film festival in Miami. I also serve as a bo the board chair. So when I met the CEO of that organization at a board meeting for a large nonprofit, the United Way of Broward County, where I was serving on the board, he asked for my help in building his business because he had it to a certain point it was maybe he was maybe two to three years in and he really was tasked to get it to the next level significantly and he was hitting some real roadblocks I decided to go ahead and help him with that business and after um, eight months we had a wildly successful film festival uh, two weeks after the film festival I received 77 pages from my attorney uh, essentially, it was a ceased and desist document from a multi-billion dollar corporation headquartered out of France and New York requesting that I cease and desist. Wow. <laughs> wow. So my little company was somehow a threat to a multi-billion dollar organization, uh, once again, out of France and New York. So that was a significant challenge for someone. Uh, at that point now understand that I had gotten I'd received IP counsel from an attorney and was told that uh, there should be no problem because my business was not in the same industry as these folks so the name should not be a problem however something that I will share with your listeners which may be helpful to them is you know in America you bear the burden of defense whenever these things happen and if there's a large enough organization who feels that your particular brand is a challenge to them for whatever reason they can um, initiate legal proceedings <laughs> and you bear the burden of fighting those proceedings so the year 2017 was a year of rebranding and negotiating with this entity and we ended up negotiating the right to coexist. Wow. That took all of 2017. So a, little, a minor challenge along the way. Oh, my goodness. That, that of, of all the things you think your business is going to encounter, I, I, I suspect that probably wasn't on your list at the time. Not at all. Because I thought I had done everything correctly. I had an intellectual property attorney vet the name of the business to ensure that everything was um, a proper and above board. And I was just stunned and frankly, initially angry at her because I thought, how could you not know this? I thought everything was fine. Well, I've since learned a lot about intellectual property and a friend of mine who is a serial entrepreneur who has 
started uh, a, a, a many multiple businesses that have made a lot of money. I met him for breakfast and I said to him, I said, you know, what, what should I have done differently? What's going on here? He said, Laverne, you can actually do everything right and have this still happen. This just happened to me with a company out of Minnesota that I rebranded. I have the best attorneys in the world and I thought we did all the research and they sort of popped up and now I'm, you know, negotiating with them. So something, just something to bear in mind that, you know, you, you know, by all means, get an intellectual property attorney and ensure that your logo and that everything and that all of your, all of your um, intellectual property is intact. But just bear in mind that um, these things can happen nevertheless. Wow. My goodness. As I, as I like to say, I have this joke with my son every now and then where, <clears throat> and, and uh, clients as well. And, uh, you, you know, people have to excuse me for being what may come across as unprofessional, unprofessional. However, you'll get to appreciate that this is just who I am. I was having one of those. I was walking along, minding my own business. And what happened was moments. <laughs> so, so it sounds like you, you were minding your own business, walking along. And what happened was you had a cease and desist. You got a C and D letter. Exactly. I was just walking along, achieving success. I was feeling fantastic. At the end of that film festival, all of those wonderful filmmakers from all around the world had their, um, their, 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 their statuettes, and they were standing, and they took this fantastic photo, and behind them on the step and repeat banner was my logo, which was going to catapult me to absolute stardom. But guess what? <laughs> this company also saw the logo <laughs> behind them, and hence my cease and desist <laughs> letter. Oh, my goodness. So I, I, out of curiosity, if, if, uh, if you'd had the resources, do you, would, you have, um, would you have fought them? No, absolutely not. It's, it's foolish. And that's um, something that I'd like to, you know, just be very clear on. Uh, because in having, having the resource, what we call that throwing good money after bad. H did your mother ever say that to you, Randall? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, 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 and the one thing that you can't get back in life is time right? It is our most precious, most valued resource. You may get money back. You may get things back. You cannot get time back, right? So I firmly believe that the time and the energy that would go into chasing these and the resources chasing these folks, which could possibly drag on for years, is just not worth it especially when the answer is simple, where you can tweak the logo a little bit and renegotiate with these folks. They're the 50,000 pound gorilla on the block. Do you know how many years it would take of fighting with these people in court? Who has that kind of time? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. My goodness, that makes so much sense. That, that's, a, that's great counsel. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I appreciate that personally. I'm sure my listeners appreciate that, Laverne. Um, like, yeah, it's like, what's the point? You can fight on principle all you want to, but is it really going to change what you're doing? Exactly. Exactly. And not only that, there is something to the energy that 
we have as human beings the positive energy that we need in order to you know get up every day and to put our blood sweat and tears into our businesses right it takes a tremendous amount of energy it takes a tremendous amount of uh, 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 resource in order to do that and so in order to do that in a way that's going to be productive for you for me and for all the people that you love which is the reason why most folks are in business to begin with you can't give that good energy to something that would just bleed you negatively every single day. Because unfortunately, we have a finite amount of that positive energy. So when you're spending it fighting in one direction, then you're not expending that energy in a way that's going to yield the positive results that you need for your business. Oh, I love that. The, the, the power of choice. I love that. So, so mo mo moving on, and, and, and I thank you for sharing with, uh, with us, you know, how you got to this place and some of the challenges that you've, you've been through and uh, your, your passion for doing this work. Can you, um, can you share with us a little bit about why you believe major, major business owners, major corporations in general uh, need, need a growth strategist. What, what is it that a growth strategist provides that folks uh, might be unaware of? Sure. Well, a growth strategist provides, most importantly for CEOs, a fresh set of eyes. And a fresh set of eyes that's not emotionally attached to their business. I think with most CEOs, regardless of the uh, size of the business, this is their baby. This is their beautiful, shiny, wonderful baby. And no one has an ugly baby. Right, Randall? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no one has an ugly baby. Even though it, you can see from space sometimes that that is probably not the most attractive child in the world, no parent has an ugly baby. <laughs> so, and you know, for business owners, their business is their baby and they're emotionally tied and connected to that business. So as we know, as most of us know, you know, whenever you're emotionally attached to something, you're not, you're never going to be able to see it completely objectively. That's just the way it is because we're human beings. Right? So what a growth strategist provides for a CEO is a fresh set of eyes that's not um, emotionally attached to the baby, but who can um, understand and love the baby, if you will, we'll keep going with that analogy, you know, from afar in a way that's going to help you see some of the challenges and the pitfalls that will happen in the future in 10, 20, you know, uh, in five, well, let's start with five, 10, 15 years and create a plan that is purely based on strategy and not based on emotion. Uh, this fresh set of eyes will also help you to do something that helps CEOs to do something that they're notoriously bad at. And that is to properly use their sphere of influence. Most people see at every level and I'll go keep going with CEOs, but this is most folks at every level are using less than a third of their sphere of influence in order to help them get to the next level in their business lives or their professional lives. Wow. So your, your strategist looks across your, looks across your organization, looks at your business goals, 
looks at what they were, looks at what they are now, looks at what's important to you as a CEO, and looks across the organization to look at where the challenges may lie that you're not seeing, where your blind spots are, right? And then looks to create a plan for you in order to help you achieve your goals. Now, another part of, another thing that, that the uh, strategist helps to do is to just hit the reset button because most folks, when they start the business, they start with a plan and they tend to hold on to that plan for too long. Meanwhile, the plan truly needs to be looked at two to three times. You've got to take this thing out constantly and constantly look at the plan and refresh, refresh it, make sure you're still on course. However, most folks are working with outdated information and an outdated plan because they created it once and they assume that, well, I've been doing this about a year, two years in, whatever it is, so they're still working off of the same plan. Well, the thing is they've evolved, the world has evolved, and you know, and, and just business itself has evolved past where they were when they made the plan. But for a lot of folks, it's very, very time consuming and too difficult for them to go back and reassess it um, impartially because now they're thoroughly engaged and immersed in it from a financial perspective, from an emotional perspective, and from every perspective. Wow. Wow. I, I liked what you said, Laverne, especially around the um, business owner, CEO, having challenges with revisiting the plan uh, three, four, five times to make sure it's working. It reminds me of something I've experienced personally as well. Something I recall reading in uh, the Harvard Business Review where it talks about the challenges that a CEO or business owner has when there's no one to talk to. Clearly, you, there are things that you don't want to talk to your employees about. Um, I mean, you, you, you may be able to clearly cover payroll, but you don't necessarily want them to know that there's not a lot left over <laughs> once it's been met or if how tight it was to be met. And oftentimes there, there aren't things that you can talk to family members about, you know, to, to them, your mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever. And uh, even to some of a lot of the colleagues, they really don't know. And if it's a passion-based business, you're trying to just get things done by sheer will alone. So, you know, having a growth strategist be able to come back and talk with you about a blind spot you might have because it's a passion project and you don't really have a network of people you can talk with just just seems awfully huge right right it is it's a major challenge no doubt no doubt it's a major challenge and the interesting thing is um you know uh, when i work with small businesses their viewpoint is that well very often i should say the viewpoint of a small business owner because they don't have all the resources they look at larger businesses and they say gosh you know i don't know google has what maybe thousands of employees and, you know, has resources to hire people at every level. But, you know, I promise you that CEO still feels the isolation that in many ways that the small business owner feels some just in a different way. And the reason is because the reasons are you may have many, many more layers of people around you and you may be able to go out and hire the best talent in the world. But unless you're able to clearly articulate and design 
a vision for the organization and create a strategy that they can follow and adopt and work with and you know essentially build on for their teams then it doesn't matter that you have all of these people in all these layers right so whether you're a single small proprietor or a you know fortune 500 multi-billion dollar corporation the what's important is revisiting your vision revisiting your plan to meet your vision being transparent with the folks who are going to come along with you on this journey because essentially you will not achieve that vision in isolation and all of the people who are a part of the organization who you are reliant upon to help achieve the success of the organization need to be a part of the solution and their their job descriptions should be written in a way that part of their responsibilities is are aligned to helping to create the vision and the strategy and that's where someone like me comes in because everything we do is aligning to the strategy and not to the day-to-day -day tasks per se oh i love that i love that i love that I love that you, you, you've um, zeroed in on one of the things that we've spent a lot of time talking about where it's important uh, as a friend of mine likes to say, you know, we spend so much time working in our business that we oftentimes don't take the time to work on our business. But if we're going to play with the big boys, we've got to be efficient at both and uh, we need to be really good at uh, making sure that our business is, is strategically aligned, our vision is strategically aligned with the needs of our customer base. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And, ins and ensuring that we're consistently identifying and going after the right customer base. Oh, wow, that's a mouthful. Preach, sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the right customer base, because some, once again, the original plan you know, has to evolve. Right. So, you know, just because I was going after, I don't know, this type of customer when I started my business four years ago, doesn't mean that's the right customer for me anymore. And sometimes as part of your growth strategy, there has to be an analysis of your customer base. Is everything working the way it should? Are we touching these customers as we should? Are we serving their needs as they evolve? How have they evolved? And are we keeping pace and are we getting them to their next level? Because if we as an organization are not able to do that for our customers, then we're not really able to fulfill what we should be doing for them. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, Laverne, we just got a few more things that we're going to cover off before we get to the end. Uh, uh, I want to thank you for, for uh, taking the time uh, thus far. I think you, you provided some great insight. And uh, to help our listeners, especially specific to you know, my passion with uh, diverse clients, I got uh, just a couple more questions for you as we uh, start uh, the process of wrapping this up. Would you mind comparing and contrasting uh, from, from your experience, you know, working with uh, uh, diverse versus uh, majority clients and um, some, so if you can share with us some of the lessons you've learned, you know, what are the, some of the challenges that you see that are similar and some of the challenges that you see uh, are different when uh, comparing and contrasting your diverse and non-diverse client base. 
I think our audiences would, would really appreciate that. More often than not, I think we believe, you know, our challenges are unique and, 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 and nobody is going through what I'm going through. Um, and, and really and truly, sometimes that is the case. <laughs> right you know what you've seen because you've just worked with companies from from many different backgrounds you've had clients with with many different uh uh challenges and being a growth strategist you're you're on the front lines of some of the things they're confronted with right so yeah thank you for that question randall because the one thing that well one of the things i always say is that one size truly does not fit all and in saying and make no assumptions and always seek first to understand i'll elaborate on what i mean by that uh, one of the areas where i see that uh, diverse clients tend to not spend enough time for whatever reason it's in the discovery process and the strategy process now what i mean by that is uh, time is usually is our enemy for the most part, our uh, diverse clients, I find, are looking for that big contract, right? And that's what you help them. That's the kind of thing that you help them to land, Randall. They're looking for that big contract. They're looking for that big win. But as you and I know, uh, sometimes that takes a little time to get those big wins, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah, Yes, these contracts, you know, take a little time to, you know, sort of write the contracts and negotiate the contracts. So, how are we doing business in the meantime? So one of the areas where I see our diverse clients where they tend to struggle is the ability to diversify mm, and not okay. to look for that one size fits all for that catch all for just that. So in diversifying your business, if you while you're going after these fantastic contracts and Randall will help you to get those contracts, it is critically important that you're also looking at different size businesses as well in order to get you to your goal because you've got um, immediate short-term and long-term goals and you must have a diversified client base in order to get you there and in order to sustain you over time right because while you're working on the to slay the big dragon to get the big fish while you're working on those um, it's very important that you have all clients at all different sizes and all different stages in their their life cycle so that to help insulate you a little bit against some of the challenges that can happen with a major client who has a problem because even when and if you do land that major client I've seen many small businesses who are doing great today go out of business within a couple of months because they were heavily reliant on the one major client Wow. So diversify, diversify, diversify. Wow. That that's 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 really powerful. I love that. I love that, Laverne. Thanks so much for sharing that. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you know, I guess I will um there's one tool that uh if I could leave your listeners with one thing, I will leave them with a specific tool. I like to get very specific and leave folks with something that's really very granular and concrete if I can. And uh, one, yeah, one tool that I use and that I help my folks with very often is using something called the rule of five. What is the rule of five? Uh, many businesses uh, work really hard to 
establish and build a relationship with one person within an organization that they believe is a key decision maker. One of the sales, this, you know, many of the sales, uh, 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 you know, seminars teach you to find those key decision makers and really and, and teach you how to strategize and how to work with those key decision makers in order to then close that sale. And that is all absolutely 100%, you know, correct. You should do that. However, it is essential that you have more than one contact within every organization and that you build that into your sales strategy. Even if your one contact is the CEO, that is a mistake. People resign, they relocate, they get sick, God forbid sometimes they die, or they get fired at every level every day. And I have watched um, salespeople throughout my career who've worked so hard, so, so hard to land an account. I'll never forget one of, the, one of my key salespersons worked absolutely tirelessly like a dog to land this account. Finally landed the account, and the, the CEO, um, and he became truly best friends uh, the CEO was then uh, reassigned by the board for whatever reason. And there went a year and a half of all of his good work because he had no relationship with the board and he had no relationship with anybody else within the organization. So once again, that was a mistake. So using the rule of five, how do you use the rule of five? The rule of five is simply this. Um, for, every, for every prospect, you must have five points of contact within that organization simple easy to follow I love it say, say it one more time for every prospect you must have five points of contact within that organization and it's not just their names and email addresses you must have touched those five points of contact in some way for example the moment we land an agreement, say we've chased uh, uh, an agreement, we've landed an agreement, we should then find some way to communicate and connect back with the person who is now responsible to pay the bills on that agreement, the accounting person. And one very simple uh, tactic that worked so successfully many years ago to grow a small business that I was um, helping to grow into a large entity was Every time they closed an agreement with the um, major decision maker, as part of the conversation, they asked for the name of the accounting or the accounts payable person or the CFO to ensure that that person would receive a copy of the agreement and simply a question, is there anything on this agreement that would um, cause a problem for you in terms of the processing or is there any way that we can align it in such a way to marry to your processings so that you can you know, process it easier through your department? I love it, I love it, I love it. It's, mm -hmm. it's as simple as that. It is, but it takes time, it takes thought, and it takes effort. And I would tell you that, that particular client never had a problem getting paid because they set it up correctly on the front end and with multiple persons. And that's just a, one person in the organization. And then there were other persons throughout the organization where they, where they set up an, an aligned communication touch points. So very important. The rule of five takes time, but remember that that rule of five will insulate you against turnover within that organization so that that client that you've worked really, really hard to uh, get does not disappear because you're one point of contact 
or maybe your two points of contact have either disappeared or switched jobs or no longer the organization um, or have just moved on in some way. Well, I, I love it. Um, before we wrap up here, I mean, what's what's really huge about that is we're <clears throat> we're in a, excuse me we're in a time right now where you know everybody believes that you know if I can just get to the decision maker, if I can just get to the CEO, then you know I'm going to be golden. Well, I mean, my goodness, the the CEO of CBS was unceremoniously removed and. Uh, Absolutely. Right, right now, I'm not trying to put any bad vibes out there, but um, you know, the CEO of Apple, if he can't figure out how to reverse a 450 billion dollar market cap issue and solve the problem with why iPhones aren't selling, you know, that, that CEO. So, you know, don't always assume I just need to get to the CEO, get to the decision makers. Like, you know, what you're telling folks around um, the rule of five and and being able to effectively work in an organization. I mean, that's just huge for, for business success. So thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, the, the world is a changing. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. And we've got to work those relationships, you know, and uh, every way that we can. So um, as a strategist, uh, the work that I do is done mostly on the front end to think through all of these steps for organizations and to help them broaden their sphere of influence by strategically aligning themselves um, uh, on board seats, sitting at the table. You've mentioned you know, the challenges that may impact um, uh, diverse clients. Very often, they don't raise their hands for a seat at the table for board positions. I sit on several boards. And I sit on several boards for organizations that I, where I care about the cause but then where they also align strategically with my business objectives and those potentially of the clients that I serve. So it requires a tremendous amount of thought on the front end and that's where we come in and that's where we're really are able to um, give some guidance and walk our CEOs and some of these organizations through uh, uh, some steps and processes and some strategies and, and give them plans that they can implement and maybe sometimes hold their hand and guide them through it until they're, they can fly uh, you know, on their own. Uh, that's really what we, we we tend to and what we try to do for the the organizations we serve. I love it. I love it. I love it. Laverne Daly, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. You you really and truly are amazing. I'm hoping our listeners uh, benefited from from you sharing your your insights with us as much as I did. Uh, and for uh, for uh, those that want to follow up with you, um, how do people get in touch with you? Let, 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 let us know for the folks that want to want to discover more about L Brand and Laverne Daily how they can uh, how they can reach out to you. Absolutely, feel free to reach me. My our website is www.lbrand.global. It is a .global, not a .com, because we are a global entity. I'm actually speaking to you from Rome at the moment. Um, we just landed two clients here, so we're very excited about that. Rome, Italy, that is. And uh, so you can uh, also reach us at 954-451-4254, Laverne, L-A-V-E-R-N-E, at the letter L, brand, dot global. Or if you're in the UK, you may reach us at plus 44-7443-446-702. I do a significant amount of public speaking as well on any of the topics that... um, that we uh, consult and coach in. So uh, if you have need for that, I'm available for that also anywhere in the world. 
Fantastic. <clears throat> I will uh, recap that information in our episode description so everyone can uh, find that for future reference. Thank you so much, Laverne. And um, that's thank you, uh, Randall. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you making the time, especially since you're in Rome. Oh my goodness! You know when I grow up, Laverne. No, never mind. <laughs> Growing up is over. <laughs> I'm gonna be a Toys R Us kid for the rest of my life. <laughs> All right, everyone. You you got the uh, information from Laverne. As I mentioned, I will recap that in the uh, episode description, so you can um, get that information there. Uh, otherwise, you can go to www.blueprintpros.com and get on our email list. Stay up to date on uh, our new episodes and other exciting news. Or uh, I put a facility there where you can actually leave me a message. Let me know what you think. Uh, Laverne and I would definitely like to know uh, some of your takeaways from this conversation. And uh, we might be open to coming back on again and uh, going a little bit further in some of the concepts we mentioned or clarifying some questions. So let us know what you think. And by all means, please share the podcast with your business colleagues and friends. We're, we're looking to get the word out there. We're both passionate about what we're doing and we want to help as uh, many folks that are, that are serious about making a difference. So uh, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, this is Randall signing off. I'll see you on the other side. Bye for now.